I love that song. I really do. There was a time in my life where I was uh, having some kind of uh, uh, issues and struggles that were hitting me. And that song happened to pop on my iPod shuffle. And I went, oh, man. And, and, and I know that it's not. Uh, uh, I mean, I know the whole idea is that God doesn't want us to believe there's anything that limits us. He wants us to know he is the God of the impossible. If you have your Bibles, look at Jeremiah 33, three. I'm praying that will become a theme verse for us this year more than ever for you as a person. For you and your family, for you and your job, for you uh, as a part uh, of your walk with the Lord and as as a member of this family here, that we experience God fulfilling this in our life. And I want you to think about it because I'm going to call you and challenge you to join me in a year of prayer. Uh, We're going to have a campaign. I'm going to talk about that, but it's really a prayer campaign. And the idea is we take to heart what God says here in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, pray. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. Uh, I want you to experience that. Let's pray about it and let's talk about it. Father, I know that you want us to take you to heart on this. You want us to call to you. You want us to allow you to answer us. And we need to listen to the answer. And God, we need to be willing to be stretched and take on new uh, heights and move in a way like we never have before. And God, may this be a year we do that. That we, your people, we, your children, experience you the way we're supposed to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sometimes in life we hear certain phrases and we don't think about them. And uh, today I want to share some things with you I do want you to think about. But Jeff Foxworthy was talking about a phrase he heard and he went, wow, that just kind of thought... that." that sounded so funny. What happened is he, Jeff Foxworthy said he was landing in a plane in LAX and he heard the, the flight attendant say, um, those of you needing wheelchair assistance, please remain in your seats till after the plane has landed. Now, what does that mean? He said, does that mean you're not supposed to go flopping in the eye, you know, and, uh, you know, so what I want to tell you, I'm going to talk about a lot of things about our church. And if you're new here, this is what we do every year to begin the year. We call it our state of the church. But, but let me tell you a phrase I want to have tied to everything I say. And it's this, if the Lord tarries. In other words, I know that Jesus could come back any moment. But I believe with all my heart that we are to work tirelessly. We are to be faithful and found faithful. So what I'm telling you is, is all the things I'm about to tell you that I believe God's calling us to do are hinging on the fact that we do this till he comes again. And, and so I want you to lock that in. We know that's true. But God's great desire is to be glorified in his church. I want to say that again because a lot of people don't understand. Jesus loves his church. And God's desire is to be glorified within it. And it says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Grab hold of that. He says, I want you to experience things you couldn't hope, ask or dream. Things that are above and beyond. But I want you to understand that happens when a church family comes together, loving God, loving Jesus, being totally committed to him. And that's the great thought we have is that we rise up and we experience God that way. Now, if you've been a part of our family very long, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I got to tell you how I feel. I feel like that we at Crossroads are witnessing the book of Acts. 
I mean, it's just happening around here. And I read about it in scripture and I watch it happening in the church and I'm literally blown away by it. And, and, and we're watching Jesus do way over and above. Uh, the church started out in the book of Acts by baptizing 3,000 people in one day. Now, we didn't quite see that happen, but I got to tell you, we began last year by praying and asking God to cause us to reach a place where we could baptize 1,000 people in Christ. And if you were a part of that, you know that we've actually seen that already overcome. But here's what's interesting. I, I was looking in Wikipedia. Crossroads Christian Church has an article in Wikipedia. By the way, I have no clue who wrote it, but listen to what it said in there. It said, Crossroads Christian Church has been cited by the Christian media as being in the top five of all U.S. churches for having baptized the most people in one year. Now, that's pretty cool, huh? But here's what's wild. That was written before last year. And last year, we not only baptized more than 1,000, we ended up baptizing 2,273 people in one year. And... um, Man, I, I just, that just became over and above and beyond. And, and what I want you to think through is we all know that it's not about the number. It's about the individual people, the individual people. By the way, I, real quickly, we did not baptize a 666. <laughs> what we did is had 665 and 665A and 667. But anyway, uh, but, but you, you, here's, here's what I want you to know. It's, it's not about the number. It's about the people. And, and, and so we saw God do amazing things. On Palm Sunday last year, we had, and we're going to do that again this Sunday, we had a spontaneous baptism service where we had pools all out here, and we just said, come and be baptized. Do it in your clothes. Uh, uh, in that service, a policeman had gotten up that morning. He didn't know he was going to come. All of a sudden, he felt drawn to come here. He came to church, and he said the Holy Spirit hit him. He had never experienced that. And, and he came and made a decision for Christ, got into the pool, and got baptized. And he said, man, I'm changed. I'm different. And he's been walking with Christ ever since. Uh, a wife uh, got up in the morning. Yeah, that's a praise. A wife got up that Palm Sunday morning planning on helping us. She had prayed, God, I pray one day my husband would at least come to church with me because he never did. And on that Palm Sunday, she got here early. She was a part of getting everything ready. Uh, We gave the, the, the message. I gave the invitation. She was standing right over here when she looked and her husband was coming down this aisle with tears in his eyes. They got in the water together and she got to baptize him. Now, now that... That is this over and above experience. We're watching God do these kinds of things here. And we begin to experience it. And and it literally becomes incredible. Uh, uh, One of our prayers is that we would be a church that's used by God to reach out to young adults in this area. Now, you know that two and a half years ago, we just were not being very effective than that. And by the way, uh, I love the other churches in this area, but nobody else was either. And with the thousands and thousands of young adults to be reached for Christ, we said, we just can't live like that. And so uh, God brought Tony Wood to us and a team to us. And, and I remember us praying this prayer. God, I pray we could at least go over 500. Well, do you realize that this year now we're averaging over 2,000 young adults coming together on Wednesday nights to worship God here? And it, it just becomes incredible. Uh, uh, two and a half years ago, our children's ministry was in shambles. As a matter of fact, I was horrified to walk into the nursery and find out we had one crib. It was dirty. <laughs> and I knew I was going to have grandkids, and I thought, I don't want them in that. And uh, so what happened is we, we, we had a great team, but they just were under-resourced. 
And so we started getting them the resources and started giving them the help they needed and, and, and trying to provide even more training. And, and we've seen an incredible change right now. I don't know if you're not aware of it. Our children's ministry is phenomenal. It is literally incredible. I know that for lots of reasons. One is, is our, my godchildren, my grandchildren are a part of it. And, and they crave to come and be here. But, but I had a family come up to me about uh, probably a month and a half ago. And they walked up and they were literally as a young couple and they were emotional. And they said, um, we have to tell you something. Um, we've been a part of a church for years. That's where we got married. We had our child. But for the last year and a half, every single Sunday, we were called out. Because our child just would cry uncontrollably. And, and we thought we're just not going to be able to go to church for a period of time. And, and then someone recommended, said, have you tried Crossroads? They have an amazing children's ministry. So they came and they were walking out of this parking lot down towards where the classroom check-in would be. And their daughter, who's a little bit shy and had never been on our campus before, something happened. And she looked right into that two-year-old classroom and saw the teacher. And she ran inside and hugged the teacher. And they're standing there going, oh, and they came and they came up to me the second week they were here. And they said, do you know what it's like for us to actually go to church for two weeks? And our daughter wants to be here. And they said, if you don't know what this is doing to us, I had a, a, an incredible email come to me just this last week. A mom in our church adopted a, a child whose mother was uh, hooked on drugs. So it's a drug baby. And, and so for the past five years, there's been a lot of issues associated with that. But boy, she loves her child to no end. But the problem is, is that, you know, she's just never been able to go to church. And she thought, I've got to give it a try. I want him in church. Well, she got here in the first week she got called out. And the second week she got called out. And she walked up to our children's area being called out of the worship service. And she started to cry. And one of our children's workers said, are you okay? And she said, no. And she goes, well, let's sit and talk about this. I, I, I want to see what we can do. Well, when she began to share the back, background over what happened, one of our children's staff said, well, your child's special needs. And we love special needs kids here. And if you would just let us know that ahead of time, we have a, a buddy program. And so what we're going to do is we're going to assign a, a person to be with your child every step of the way and to love on them and help them and give them that special attention they need because we want your child to love coming here and we want you to love coming here. And she wrote me an email saying, I can't believe a church that loves like this and that loves my child even when it's difficult. I just got to tell you, I know the Holy Spirit's in this place. And, and we're watching that happen, you guys. It... It's going to go to a whole new level next year. Uh, we're going to kick off a program called Wonder Kids. That might sound like just a title or a brand, but it's going to be even more than that. Uh, uh, Joel and the team of people who work in our children's ministry have been very intentional about how we can up our game in ministering to children and loving on children and caring for children. And here's the big word, teaching children. We're going to have a very clear program that's going to teach with more depth and more excitement and more power than it ever has before because we love the children who are part of our church family. By the way, I don't know if you know this man, but I have a dream that every single child, when they get out of the car, they run to be on this campus and they cry when they have to leave. And by the way, last week I listened to a little boy crying. I don't want to go. I thought, praise God, cry all the way to the car. You know, and, and, and that's what's happening here. And, and, and we're watching God take us to a place where we can experience that. We're seeing God call people to him in ways that are just off the charts. Incredible. Uh, a, a woman shared this with me. She, she's been a Christian a long time and, and her husband uh, is not a, was not a Christian. He hadn't been attending church with her, didn't want to go. 
And, and even though she loved her church, she said, to be honest, my pastor, uh, he was a little hard to listen to. And she said, uh, she actually, it was in October, she fell asleep in church. And she woke up and everyone's looking at her and she was so embarrassed by it. And she told her husband, I don't think I can go back. And he said, no, go back. And she goes, well, I have such a hard time listening and I fell asleep. And, and so then she bumped into somebody and said, try crossroads. I don't think you'll fall asleep there. And so she's getting up in the morning to come. Her husband said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to go try crossroads. And her husband goes, well, I'll go with you. And well, that shocked her. Well, they came to church together, and when I gave the invitation, she heard a rustling sound and looked over. Her husband was wiping tears with his hand in the air, praying to give his life to Christ. The next week, he came forward. Now he's been baptized. And she said, Chuck, and I haven't fallen asleep yet. <laughs> Some of you are going, uh, oh, well. Anyway, uh, but, but, you know, we're seeing that. Uh, uh, last week, I shared it here, but I got to share it again. Uh, we, we had something happen that just blew us away. Uh, 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 what happened is Kathy, who's a part of our church family, was driving to church, and God spoke to her and, and said, one of your friends is coming forward today. And she went, oh, and Lord, is that you? And she's praying. Well, she gets in the parking lot, comes right through those doors and get ready to head and sit up here where she normally does. And she felt God say to her, no, you need to sit right here. And so she came walking over and there was all these reserve signs except for that one seat. So she thought maybe God reserved that for me. So she sat down there and she started praying, God, I, I hope this is you. I hope this is happening. Well, what she didn't know that happening in that very moment is Sean and Cassie Smith, who uh, Sean helps lead worship out at Elsinore. He was getting ready to take his wife and head to Elsinore. And he goes, oh no, I forgot the cords at the church. So he pulled in the parking lot. He's late already. He's rushing in, running out so they can head out. Cassie's phone rings. And it's her mom. And her mom said, Cassie, I just really would like to go to church. Could we go to church together today? Now think about this. If they had gone out to Elsinore, she would have said, Mom, I can't go with you. But because he forgot the cords and happened to be sitting there, she jumped out of the car and said, I'm going to church with my mom. And then she came in here and they sat right over here. And I gave the invitation and her mom starts crying and they start walking forward together. And when they get right here, she turns. Her and Kathy have been best friends since they were nine years old. God's just doing these kinds of things. And I'm watching that happen and standing back going, Lord, this is incredible. And, and it literally becomes amazing thing after amazing thing is God works far more abundantly beyond all we ask, hope, or think. And we're watching it happen. So there's this amazing joy over what God is doing here. But I want you to know there's an amazing joy that I have and I believe all our leadership team has over where we're going next. Uh, uh, we have been in the midst and still are in the midst of what we call a strategic planning process. Now, let me tell you what that means. It means we pray like crazy. We pray and pray and pray and say, God, we want to call to you. And we pray for an answer and we ask for you to show us great and mighty things we don't know. So God, show us where we as a church are supposed to go to in the area we're in. What are you calling us to do? Who are you calling us to be as a church family? And so we had a, a leadership retreat where we got the wives and everybody together and the husbands. And we all got into a room and, and I just wanted to see. There was one goal. Are we unified? Are we unified in what God is saying to us to do? Because we really believe if God calls, we'll go together. And so as we began to share in that, we came up with what we call four guideposts of where God is taking us in 2010 and beyond. And I want to tell you about these because this is the vision. This is the state we believe God's called our church to be. And the unity in the room was incredible. Uh, uh, we were uh, just really in this together. And, and I want to tell you where the leadership of the church believe God is taking us. Guidepost number one. We need to continue and even be more effective in being a church of outreach. 
We need to reach people for Christ. We need to go out and, and help every single person in this area uh, uh, somehow hear the message of the gospel and reach in every place we can. You already know that Jesus gave what we call the great commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Because I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Until the end of this age, we need to go and make disciples. We need to go and reach people for Christ. My assistant, Talia, did a a pretty exhaustive study. At the same time she was doing it, Chris Songson commissioned one to be done in South Hills. And what we were asking is this. What is the need in this area for people to come to know Christ? And we were shocked by it. On any given weekend, 90% of the people in this general area are not attending a Bible-believing church. That means that if you look down your street, the vast majority of your neighbors are not going to a Bible-believing church. They're not in a place where they can know what it's like to be born again and experience an intimate relationship with God. And we need to be more effective than ever in reaching out and in touching people and in helping them come to know Christ. The need is great and the call is upon us. And we know that God wants us to do that. So this blows my mind. Our leadership team believes that in 2010, we need to go over 7,000 in attendance in this church so we can start making an effect in this area and reaching people for Christ. We also are going to lay out a master plan. Are you ready? To grow to 40,000 people. Now, now, That means still thousands and thousands won't know Christ. So we believe, though, that God has given us this 55 acres to be used as a tool for him. And we have to use it effectively. To whom much is given, much is required. And we can't hold back from that. Now, the other thing I want you to know, it's not about numbers. It's about reaching people for Jesus and growing them in Christ. The number one thing we want to do is reach out. Number two, we want to be a church that's in-depth. Jesus said, teaching them to observe all I command you. Growing isn't really what we're about. Graveyards grow. (laughs) But you don't go, hey, I'd like to be in that graveyard. You know, uh, graveyards grow. Churches can grow in numbers, but not grow in disciples. We don't want to do that. That all that would mean is we're getting fat. We need to get fit. And we need to be a church that has amazing depth in Christ. And we want to aim that way. That's why Paul said in Colossians 1, 28, 29, we proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, he said, I labor. Striving according to his power, which works mightily in me. If the Holy Spirit's working in us, we are to labor to cause people to grow up in Christ. To grow to be very, very godly. To be what we call level four believers. A level four believer is someone who's so sold out for Jesus. They say the words, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. No holding back. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be passionately committed to you, your cause, and your community. And our dream is that's who Crossroads is. I I have another dream I want to share with you. My prayer is that every time anybody in this area bumps into one of us and they find out that you attend Crossroads, the first thing they think is you're a person of prayer, purity, and that you know God's word. We need to be a people who know his word. 
And, and we're, uh, Roger Harris has been commissioned this year to more than ever put together a, a, a system where we can take anybody who's a baby Christian and help them grow all the way through to maturity. And we want to be able to track that happening here. And we want to make sure it's happening here. I want you to know God's word so well, you know why the Old Testament's called the Old Testament and the New Testament's the New Testament and how both are actually a part of being applied to our life in very amazing ways. Uh, I want you to know what the minor prophets are about. And I want you to understand last day's eschatology. And I want you to know the amazing theology of grace, but also the amazing theology of works, something that's a little bit misunderstood. I want you to understand what God's calling for you to do. And as you open his word, you know right away what it's saying and how to interpret it correctly so you can rightly divide the word of truth. And I want that to happen to everybody here. And I want you to be a person who knows God deeply, intimately, truthfully, and, and, and the depth of God's word is in you as you get into God's word. That's our prayer for this church, that we're a place of depth, a place where people grow. Now, I want to tell you that this year we're going to aim at that more than ever. We really are. And, and, and we don't want to be a church that tickles ears. Matter of fact, I, I, I want to share real quickly. I don't want to be negative, but a few weeks ago, you know, we did a, a, a series on connecting deeply with God. And we actually had a dip in attendance during that. Which surprised me. I thought people would want to come and hear about that. But then someone said something to me. And they said, well, you know, maybe we need to promote it better. And something in me reacted to that. Now, I'm not anti-promotion and we'll do some promotion. But let me say this. If the reason you come to church is because you like a particular series or don't, that's not okay. We need to come because we love God and we love his word. That's why people come here. And we need to have more commitment than that. And, and, and I don't want to be someone who tickles ears. Uh, I want to be someone who really uses by God to teach you God's truth. That's why in 2 Timothy, there's a charge to him from Paul where it says in verses 4, 1 to 5, chapter 4, 1 to 5, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And that's the last thing we want to be here. We don't want to be a church that tickles ears. We want to be a church that teaches the meat of God's word. And we want to really dig into the depth of it. Uh, matter of fact, I'm really excited. Starting next week, we're going to begin a series called called Words Written in Red. And why are we talking at that? We're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount. But I want to tell you, we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount with depth. We're going to go from January to August studying the Sermon on the Mount with depth. And I want you to know it. And when you know the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given, given, you're going to understand the heart and mind of God like you never have before. And why we apply scripture the way we do from old to new. And, And so we want to dig into that. That's what's going to be happening. So we want to be a church of outreach. We want to be a church of depth. We want to be a church also of impact. We want to make an impact in this community and around the world. We want to see God calling us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Now, we don't do this for our own plaudit or popularity, but the, pop, the, the call of Jesus is that when we go out in love in his name and do what we're supposed to do in his name, it shines out in a way that can't be missed. And we need to do that. Now, by the way, since we've been praying that we've already seen God leading us in this road in an amazing way. Uh, uh, after we had come together and said, God, what are you calling us to do? And it became very clear to our leadership team. We need to make a better impact in our area. God began to put on the heart of Michelle Caranda, who's on staff with us, that, that she needed more than ever to join in with a group that's, that's actually run by her mother called Stitches. Stitches is a, an, amazing, an amazing ministry that reaches out to under-resourced and underprivileged children right here in this community. Now, I think we need to touch around the world, but we also need to obviously touch children in our own area. And so what happened is, is they knew that last year that they administered to 500 children. So Michelle got with Gil Garcia, the head of our Spanish ministry, and they partnered mom to mom, our mom to mom ministry with our Spanish ministry with stitches. And we put out a call to children in this area that we're not going to be able to have a Christmas this year. 1200 children showed up, but they were ready for them. And while the children were being ministered to just this year, the moms were being given makeovers. And then what happened is they had worship with the kids. They had a time of teaching with the kids. Then they gave out presents to the kids. And Michelle was telling me that a mom walked up to her holding her child's present. And she said, and all my life, I was never given a present as nice as this. And I never thought my daughter would. And she's crying. And, and, and by the way, Crossroads were a part of doing that. Well, then what happened is Gil began to follow up. And the week that followed that, 200 of those 1,200 children attended our Spanish church. 26 of the parents came forward and made decisions for Christ. And we're going to up our game in making the impact in this area. And we really need to. You already know that we feed 300 families a month right now. And, and we want to see that increase. And we want to see that, that us be a place where we really are caring for people. Uh, I won't get into it as much right now, but I already know you know a little bit about it. Yeah, right after our leadership retreat, we came back saying, God, how can we make a bigger impact? And Orange County Rescue Mission came to us and said, hey, we need you. We need you because we believe God's calling us to come and make a difference in homelessness in the Corona Norco area. And we think the Crossroads would be an amazing partner to be with us. And when I started hearing their plans and what they're calling for us to do, it became incredible. And what's going to happen next year will be awesome. But what's going to happen in the coming years will be even more so. We are going to make an impact in this area and touch people's lives in an amazing way. Uh, uh, Catherine Leonard had a vision to start this uh, with Michelle and Joanne to start what's called Sorority House. It's a place for women who live in this area who are in, in dire need that they could come to and be loved and, and be freed from bondage and hurt and pain and to experience God's love in an amazing way that actually has hands on it and hugs with it and, and counseling that takes them to a new life. 
Well, we decided to dedicate a portion of our Fullerton campus to that. Well, they've already begun getting to work on it. Well, somehow, and I'm not sure how this happened, Home Depot heard about it. And Home Depot's corporate headquarters said that they wanted to partner in this. So they've agreed to provide all the materials and the workers to do a total home makeover on that part of the campus to reach out. Because they think it's so incredible. They see the good works. And they're helping us glorify our Father who's in heaven. Now that, that doesn't mean we're going to step back from what we're doing in Kenya. As a matter of fact, this year we're dedicating ourselves more than ever in Kenya to taking on a huge slum and trying to eradicate extreme poverty from that slum by giving quality drinking water and education and resources and micro businesses and, and ways for people to come out of poverty there. And we want to take the hundreds of children we're helping and make that into the thousands. And then in India, we're going to continue our work with Ajay and helping children there, but also in our work in Nepal and really seeing something happen in Nepal where the gospel is preached in an area where it's not friendly to do, but we're supporting our evangelists there. And I want to say this one carefully, and I got to be careful because this gets out over the internet. But we just agreed to, uh, uh, to back, to sponsor an amazing young married couple. And, and I don't know if you're going to catch how big this is. They're going to be going to an Islamic area where there's almost no Christians whatsoever and sharing the gospel. They're going to be our missionaries in it. Now, it could cost them their lives, and they know that. And I'm just already taken by their heart, and we're praying for their protection. We have to be careful what we say so we don't let them be targeted. But they're not going to be hidden in that way. They're going to literally boldly take the gospel message into an area of the Islamic world and start winning people to Christ there. And and we're going to see God help us, help them make an impact in that area of the world. God's great desire is for us. God's great desire for us is to be a light and to be salt and to make a difference. And we're going to do that more than ever. And I want you to know we're a part of doing that now, but it's going to increase. God's great desire is that we be a community. We be a church that literally is a family that loves each other. You know, when I talk about 7,000, you know what? 7,000 people can be like a small town that loves each other. In first Peter chapter one, verse 15, it says that you and I were cleansed from our sins so that we would have a fervent love for one another. In other words, God wants you and I not just to say, okay, I like going to church. He wants us to love in amazing ways. And and this year we have some plans to bring us even closer and closer together. But let me tell you this. If this is not the word you use, when you think of crossroads, I want you to know I want it to eventually truly be the word you use. And you're ready for what it is? I want you to say and mean it when you say crossroads is my home. I want this to be your home. God wants it to be your home. We're a family, we're a home, we're a place that comes together with joy, with care, with encouragement when it's needed, with celebration. And and God's desire is that we're a place where everybody's known by somebody and everybody knows others and loves and cares in amazing ways. And and so we want to be that kind of community. So we want to be outreach, in-depth, make an impact and be a community. But I need to tell you something in the last few minutes of this sermon. We've got some challenges we're facing. And, and there's one challenge in particular we cannot uh, afford to miss. We need to come together as a family and meet it. And, and I'm going to ask you to really start praying about it. And that is this. A few years ago, when this building was getting ready to be occupied, uh, this church made an agreement with the city of Corona that if they let us occupy the building, that we would complete our street improvements in one year. 
uh, they're not done. And we've been in here a lot more than one year. Now, you know what? That's not okay. We, we've got to do this. We're in an amazing city. And over the last two and a half years, we have repaired our relationship with the city to such an extent that just a few weeks ago, the Chamber of Commerce had us come to their meeting and they honored Crossroads Christian Church with the Award of Excellence for this community. Now, that, that's huge. And our reputation has improved, but I, I, it's the reputation of Christ. By the way, I got to tell you real quickly how they introduced the church. Uh, the lady who introduced our church said, uh, I don't go to Crossroads, so I asked, what is Crossroads? And here's the phrase I heard. It's a church where Chuck loves Pam. <laughs> and she said, to all you women out there, if you want your husbands to love you, go to Crossroads. And, uh, and, and I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. But, but here's what I want you to understand. We cannot shirk our responsibility. I mean, we made an agreement with the city to do those street improvements, and we need to do them. I don't know if you agree, but I think it looks ugly out there anyway. I think that it really almost tells somebody who's driving around that, that we're not even completed yet. And yet if we did it correctly, it'd be like rolling out a doormat and saying to the people in the area, come here, we're apart, welcome. And, and we could usher them onto our campus better. And, and I know that we need to be a church that keeps its word. In Matthew five thirty seven, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And when we said yes to this city, we have a responsibility to do it. This is an amazing city. And we need to be somebody who says we're going to complete this work the way we need to. And by the way, we've already been working to get the plans done. We've been paying all the fees that needed to be paid. And now we're at a place where in June of this year, we need to break ground and get that finished. It's going to cost two and a half million dollars to do it. Two and a half million. That's a lot of money. And, and I want you to know that I need to ask you to pray about you and I together as a church family giving in one year a minimum of two and a half million dollars to get this done above and beyond our giving. Now, I know there's some of you who are sitting here right now going, wait a minute. I wasn't a part of the church when they made that agreement. Well, neither was I. But you know, my dad taught me something. A family always takes care of its responsibilities. And I think we need to do this together. We really do. We need to come together and say, we're not going to shirk this. We're going to honor our commitment. We're going to do it with excellence and we're going to do it right. Now, now I want to have you think about this. We need to raise at least two and a half. But what would happen if we take what we're about to do and put this in the hands of God? What would happen if we say to God, we're calling to you. And God, I want you to answer me. And I want you to tell me great and mighty things. I don't know what would happen if every one of us approached this that way. If we said, God, we live in an area where there's 275,000 people that need Jesus. God, we're in an area where we need to make more effective ministry here on this campus to reach those people. God, we have a space problem. By the way, we have a space problem. I have people all the time coming going, we wanted to start this study or this ministry, but we're out of room. And we have 55 acres of land and, and we need to upgrade our space issue. What would happen if we began to do that? What would happen if all of a sudden those street improvements were done in such a way that now they're gorgeous out there? And rather than being that ugly dirt area, what they saw was something that was like this, where people were actually invited to come on and it became beautiful. And we opened up a welcome mat to the city and said, come, come, come. And everyone who lives in this area. 
What would happen if God touched us in such a way that we came together and went so far beyond that we could upgrade our children's area into something beautiful and incredible? And by the way, when I think about my grandkids playing in those rooms, I want it to be awesome for them. And I want it to be for your kids as well. Many of you know we have a building called the Fellowship Hall. Uh, uh, I remember walking into it the first time going, oh my, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, It kind of got torn into and left undone. And you know, what would happen if we came together as a church family and we could upgrade the fellowship hall to that? You know, and that became a place where you went and had Bible study and coffee together and shared and prayed. And, and, and it became a place of quality, quality ministry. Then right outside the fellowship hall is something even uglier than the fellowship hall. It's the patio. And, and there's even exposed electrical wires out there that we're really concerned the kids not get into because we don't want to charge them up in the wrong way. And, uh, and, and, but what would happen if we turned it into a huge outdoor meeting area with lights and outdoor fireplaces? And here's the thing. We could have at least three or 400 people come together in a beautiful area almost year round and worship together and pray together. And we could have weddings out there and receptions. And it's another place to expand ministry so that we can reach more people for Christ and teach God's words better. And then many of you know, we call this building up here, the Plex. I, I, I think we need to change the name. It's not a good name, but, but that building has been a great building, but it's taken a beating. And what would happen if we upgraded that? And, and, and we called that into a, a, a better place. So it looked like this too. And you could have better ministry times in there and better teaching in there. And then here's something else. The, the, the Plex has the most amazingly grotesque bathrooms ever. Uh, and I know you might say, is that a big deal? Well, there was a study done and they found out something that the average family's decision about returning to church is made by the wife. Did you know that? And she bases it on two things. One, the children's ministry. The other is the women's bathroom. Well, any woman who walks in that bathroom is not coming back. And, uh, and what would happen if we upgraded that into something that was more cherished? And, and, and by the way, all this wouldn't cost that much money. It, it really could be done. What would happen if we made this campus into everything it should be? It would be something you would call home. It would be something you would call home. And, and how could we do that? Well, the answer is this. We need to raise the funds. But let me tell you what I'm about to say. And I hope you really do. Please listen. I'm going to break all the rules that fundraising campaigns use. Because all the people who do fundraising for churches say that what I'm supposed to do is come in front of you and say, we're going to raise blank amount of money and I need you to get on board. And we, and we do all these kind of charge up things. And by the way, I want to challenge you, but I, I don't want to do it that way. A lot of times they say, well, you know, attach something to it to get people's heartstrings a tug. Say, well, we're going to raise this money, but, but a percentage of it's going to go to touch children or, or, or poverty. Or, but let me say something real quick. We're going to do those things anyway. We really are. And I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to take a percentage and just kind of play a game with you. We're a family. So we're just going to be honest. Here's the honest truth. We need together to raise two and a half million. But the honest truth is this. What if we pray and then plan instead of plan and then pray? See, that, that's what I want to think you think about. We have that as a mantra within our leadership team that that's what we do. We pray and then plan. And, and so I want to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to take the card that's in the bulletin and, and actually start doing this. I want you to call to him and, and ask him to tell you things. Have him talk to you. And, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You don't, I don't want you to do anything that God's not leading you to do. But I want to ask you to pray and really get honest with God about it. 
And, and so what happened is just tell you, I'll tell you this, Pam and I already started because we knew this day was coming and we got together and started praying, God, how much should we give over and beyond our giving? And so we came up with the number and then we kept praying about it. And Pam came back to me and said, Chuck, we got to up the amount. And I said, all right, Pam, you know, I'm sensing that too, but it's, we're already stretching ourselves. And, And she said, I believe that God's telling me something's coming. Three days after we upped the amount, a significant amount of money came our way that we weren't expecting. And you know what? I looked at her and said, oh my gosh, we would have just spent this money because I'm really selfish. And, uh, and, and I go, but God, she goes, I think God's telling us more is coming. And I thought, okay. I shared that with the staff. And then Henry's on staff with us. He does our, our tech area. Henry and his wife got together and they started praying. Henry came up with an amount that was like, there's no way. And he kept saying, God, I, I know you're telling me this, but I can't believe it. And, and God, I don't understand. But I, all right, God, if that happens, I'll make a commitment. And guess what? Uh, it was a couple of weeks later, Henry got a call from a friend of his. And his friend said, Henry, I'm in trouble. I, I need this project finished. I'm not going to get it done on time. Is there any way you can help me? And Henry said, yeah, I'll help you. And the guy said, okay, well, then I'm going to pay you. And he named that exact amount of money. Now, here's what I'm telling you to do. I'm saying, what would happen if we all for one month pray together and really pray and call to him and ask him to tell us great and mighty things he's going to do for us this year? And then we tell him ahead of time, if you do, God, I'll be faithful. I think that what's going to happen is we're going to experience God together in an amazing way. I think we're going to be stretched together. I think we'll become a closer family if we do this together. I think we'll make a greater impact in this area. But by the way, what I want to tell you is we're not going to ask you to just pray for one month. We want to turn this whole year into a year of prayer like we've never prayed before. We want to pray for success in this. We want to pray for God's provision in this. We want to pray for God's release in this area so that people are brought to Christ here. and That we see people coming. Uh, uh, and I want you to pray like that. Uh, Donna Blossie's here in this service, and, and uh, Donna shared something with me. Four years ago, her and Frank were at a place where they were just about to leave our church family. And it hurt and killed them because they loved it, but they just felt they couldn't be here anymore. So they, they're a couple who prays, and they began to pray, and they thought it was probably getting time, and they were just going to try to quietly leave. Well, then what happened is God started speaking to them and telling them, no, you can't leave. And so Donna said, God, why? And then Donna had a vision. And in her vision, she saw four angels standing on the four corners of our church property. Interestingly, one of them was standing on the corner of the school property, which at that time wasn't a part of us, but she saw it and knew one day it would be again. And then she saw the angels literally putting their hands of protection on us. And she thought, God, you actually are going to protect this church. Now, by the way, at that point, We were literally two or three months from having the doors closed and almost none of you knew it. Then uh, a couple weeks after that, she walks into church on a uh, uh, December 30th and I walk out to preach and we had never met before. And she didn't realize the elders were asking me to come here. And as I was preaching, Donna felt God saying, God's calling this man to help be a part of this. And then in the midst of her vision was this overflowing fruit. And she believed that God was going to cause us to be more fruitful than ever. Well, two and a half years later, we've watched thousands of people come to know Christ. Two and a half years later, we paid off all our past due debt. Two and a half years later, we're seeing families come back together. And and you know what? We're watching God fulfill the vision. And I praise God that we don't just have one angel. We have four angels protecting us. We need it. And, uh, but 
here's what I'm telling you. She prayed and God started telling her things. And when you pray, God starts speaking, you guys. He, he starts doing things. Because why? It's an intimate relationship with him. And I want you to know it. I want you this year to experience it. It's a prayer campaign. As we are willing to say, God, I'm level four. And God, I want to be faithful. Now, I want to say one last thing before we go into the invitation. There are some of you here today. And you're going, Chuck, I can't give. Man, the economy's killed us. We're unemployed. We're barely making it. And uh, I want you to know something. You are still a valuable part of this church family. Now, I, I want to say as clear as I can. I don't want you to feel like that doesn't make you a part of us if you can't give. Some of you can't. I talked with a couple a few weeks ago, and they literally were emotional and, and, and actually crying a little. And they said, Pastor Chuck, we can't tithe. I, my husband hasn't had a job in a year and a half. And I looked at him and said, then you are tithing because tithing's the heart. And I said, this is your home. Don't ever think this isn't your home. And I want some of you to know, you heard this, you go, well, we can't. Do, and you know what? We love you. And I don't want you to feel like you're not a part because you know what's more valuable than the commitment you make? It's the prayer you give. We need your prayer. And if we pray as a family, great things are going to come. If we pray as a family, he's going to tell us great and mighty things. And I want you to know it. That's who God is. And that's what he does. Now, today, if you today are sitting here and you're going, man, I don't, I, I'm new to all this and I don't know what I think of it. Well, I want to talk to you about something else. Let me change gears. The most important thing I can say to you right now is that God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He came to die because you and I have this thing called sin in our life and God wants to cleanse you from it. We also have hurts in our life and Jesus wants to heal you from them. And he wants you to come into a very real relationship with him. You see, it's not about being religious. It's about having a very real relationship with a father who loves you. And that's why that father says to you, call to me and I will answer you. And I want to ask you today, do you honestly right now know God so well that when you talk to him, he talks back to you. When you call to him, he tells you things. And he guides you in your life and he loves you. And you start experiencing things that are beyond you. Because that's what life is meant to be like. And, and, and I want you to know that God couldn't want that more for you than he does. And he couldn't care about you more than he does. And there's nothing you've ever done that God, God would ever stop loving you. And today, if you would just open up your heart to him and call to him, he's going to tell you he loves you. And he's going to tell you he has a life for you to live. He's going to tell you that the death of Jesus was for you because you mean that much to him. And while we may not understand it completely, he's going to say, I want you now based on that to come into a love relationship with me. And nothing could be more exciting than for you to start 2010 by saying yes to God. We're going to go to a time where we're going to pray. And in the middle of the prayer time, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask you today, if you want to say yes to God, to actually whisper a prayer with me right where you're sitting, to talk to him. And then right after I do that, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something that will take courage. 
I'm going to ask you that if you pray that prayer and say yes to God, that when we stand to sing afterwards, that you make your way to an aisle or make your way to the stairs and people would love to let you out. I'm going to ask you to walk all the way down here and then to go into this side room so we can give you some things to help you grow in Christ. But let me tell you why I'm going to ask you to come. Because Jesus said that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my fathers in heaven. If you pray that prayer and you mean it, you start out by talking with God. But the next thing you do need to do is walk with him. You need to walk out with him. You need to walk together down here, knowing God's calling you to do this, loving you and being with you in it and, and experiencing that. And it may get emotional, but don't run from it. Actually walk with God and let that be a very physical way of worshiping him and saying, I'm his completely. Will it take courage? Yeah. And if you want to bring someone with you can, but I want to tell you, if you sense God calling you to do it, don't say no, don't hold him off. Open up your heart to him. And by the way, if you need to come back to God, maybe you haven't been with him. Maybe you used to know him, but right now you know that there's something missing or you know that you did something. Well, why not recommit yourself to God today and make that walk again and say, I'm in, I'm not holding back and say this year, it's all him. And I'm going to live with him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to let him love me and I'm not going to hold back anymore. So right now we're going to pray and I'm going to ask God's spirit to move. And if he calls you to, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Let's pray. Father, we want to be a church, a family a real family that calls to you and you answer us. And you tell us great and mighty things we we never would know without you. God, I've watched you do that this last year in amazing ways and I can't wait to see what you're going to do this year. So we're calling to you now to bind us together, to help us to be the family we should be, to grow in depth, to grow in outreach, to grow in impact, to grow in love, but Lord, to be yours completely. And I ask, oh God, that you would send your spirit now. And Lord, your Holy Spirit would not only touch us and bind us together, but God, that you right now would start calling to some people to come to you. That right where they're sitting, they know this is their moment in time. God, there's something deep down. They can sense it. Lord, this is their time. Time to pray. Their time to talk to you and the time to make the walk. And let their lives be different and changed and cleansed and incredible. I pray for those who have hurts that need to be healed, that now they're going to be healed. I pray, God, for some people who are here today that have some some bondage in their life, things that are holding on to them, that are weighing them down. They need to be set free. God, I pray right now that's going to happen. I just pray it's going to happen for them. Right now, I want to ask you, keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody who needs to make this decision? But I'm going to lead that prayer and I'm going to ask you right now if you want to give your life to Christ and say yes to him or if you want to recommit to pray it with me. Is God calling you? Do you sense this is your time? If he is, then whisper these words. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this, and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love, and fill me with your spirit, and help me be 
who you created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen.